We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 34. Our guest today currently competes in reining and ranch versatility, but he also specializes in liberty horsemanship, something I definitely did not know enough about. He was reserve champion in the 2017 All-American Quarter Horse Congress non-pro freestyle reining, and he was top three finalist in the 2018 Congress Open Freestyle Reining. He has taught as a clinician all over the country, and he teaches liberty demos and private lessons throughout the country as well. He also has an online video coaching. He is a busy guy, and today he has taken the time to hop on the podcast. So without further ado, please welcome your guest today, Luke Gingrich. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I have so many questions about what you do, but would kind of love to hear about your story, how you got to where you are today, and what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. So I was that horse crazy kid um, ever since I was little. I begged my parents for a pony for years and my family was not into horses. And so um, eventually they did figure out this was not just a phase I was going through. It was not going away. Um, (laughs) So they did get me my my first little miniature horse when I was 10 years old, I believe. And, And my dad built me a barn and pasture out in the backyard so we could have her here at home. She was, that's how I got into horses to begin with and quickly outgrew her, of course. Um, and so then I graduated to a little bigger pony and, you know, it was just mostly pleasure riding, trail riding. And then in 2010, when I was 15, I bought my own first quarter horse, Bay Mare named Zip. She was the horse that got me into the show world. We started showing in Western Pleasure and Trail at some local open shows. Soon after I got her, Rio came along. He is my uh, nine-year-old bay gelding that I have right now, and he's the horse that got me into the reining, the ranch versatility, the liberty work, obviously, is what we're talking about today. And yeah, that's just really in a nutshell. I'm sure we'll talk about that more, you know, as we go on, but that's kind of a brief, I guess, yeah, overview of how I got into what I'm doing now. Very cool. Um, yeah, would love to kind of touch on liberty horsemanship because I grew up in a hunter jumper world and uh, got dabbled a little bit in Western. It was my whole family rode and my dad and my mom rode Western. So I had a little bit of um, exposure to it, but liberty horsemanship is something that I have heard of, but really do not know a ton about. And I think that is the same for some of our listeners. So how would you define liberty horsemanship for those of us who don't really know a lot about it. Absolutely. So to me, Liberty Horsemanship is essentially being able to communicate and work with my horse without any physical restraints, right? So no ropes, no reins or anything like that, um, whether we're on the ground or whether we're riding, because, you know, obviously, as the name implies, they are really, they're quite literally, they're at liberty to do whatever they want, but they choose to work with us or mm-hmm. sometimes not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's all part of it, right? That's the beauty of it. So in a nutshell, that is, that is to me, that's how I would, de- would define Liberty horsemanship. 
Okay. And how did you end up getting into Liberty? So it is, again, something that I was interested in for a long time, even as a kid. I mean, I clearly remember reading storybooks with my mom with my mom when I was really young. And, you know, I would read about these horses. The boy would go out to the pasture, call to the horse, and they'd come galloping across the field. You know, <laughs> someday I want to have a horse that I can do that with. I didn't even know what Liberty work was at the time. Right. But I'm like, that's that's what I want to do. And so. You know, I got my first pony and that was not the reality. Let me just say that right now. What happened? Um, well, nothing bad. It was just, you know, it doesn't always happen in the movies like that magically, right? Where you just, <laughs> yeah. everything comes together. You know, she was a spunky little mare. I was completely clueless. So, you know, there was plenty of bucks. There was, you know, <laughs> some excitement. Anyway, so, you know, as I as I got a little more experienced, I, you know, I would see, you know, maybe see a video online or go to a horse expo. and you know, be at the night show and see a Liberty performance. And I just, I was really loved the finesse that, that it portrayed and uh, the subtlety, obviously the connection between the horse and the person, but I had no clue how to get started with it. In 2015, I got to meet James Cooler. He was a wildcard competitor at Road to the Horse in Lexington, Kentucky. I don't know if you're familiar with that competition. Okay. And so I got to meet him through that and saw that he did a lot of Liberty work and I really liked what he did, what I saw. But the problem was he was based in South Carolina at the time and I am all the way up here in Ohio. And mm. so that was a bit of a problem, but what I, I was determined and I was like, I'm going to figure this out. That summer I actually loaded Rio up and I hauled down to Hilton Head Island and spent a week working with him down there. And he really is the one that helped me start, you know, get a handle on the basics, where, you know, even get a, a starting point and understand more of the concepts of it and yeah, how everything works together and how to build on that. And mm -hmm. I like to say after that, I learned just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> yeah. And so it is obviously a relatively new discipline. There's not a lot of you know, trainers out there doing it. And so obviously I couldn't do a lot of regular one-on-one -on -one or hands-on work with him with the distance, but a lot of it was, you know, a lot of trial and error. I came home, I kept playing with it. I got to the pasture and I just, like I mentioned earlier, Rio is the first one that I did it with. And we just spent a lot of time playing with it. We figured out what worked for us, what didn't work for us. And yeah, that's kind of how I got into it initially. And then most of it has been a lot of trial and error and yeah, putting that all together to come up with the program that I use today. That's awesome. Are there specific Liberty horsemanship competition or what does that look like to kind of showcase what you do with the horses? Yes. Yeah, so that is actually a very exciting new thing that is happening. There haven't, hasn't really been much of anything along the lines of um, competitions for it until just this year, the ILHA, International Liberty Horse Association, was started and they had their first championship show in Lexington, Kentucky in October. So wow. I was really excited. We got to go be a part of that. And so, um, yes, that is the only association I know of right now for that, but they are definitely, I mean, it really took off in um, popularity. They had a um, really great attendance there and are really planning to have a lot more events next year, I believe. And I think it's just going to take off from there. So were you competing in that? I was competing. Yes. Okay. So they had a large variety of classes. You know, they have classes where 
you are on the ground, obviously at Liberty with your horse, and it might be one horse and one person. Then there's team classes where you may be working with two or more horses together. There's riding bridleless classes. Mm-hmm. There is riding bareback and bridleless classes. And then of course there's freestyle. We got to have freestyle at a Liberty <laughs> show. <right? laughs> nice. So yes, we competed. I took both of my horses, Rio and Chloe. Uh, they both competed in the level two advanced class, which was one horse and one person on the ground. And Rio competed in the bridalist advanced class. And then they both competed in the freestyle that night as well. Very cool. Awesome. So what did the freestyle look like? There was a lot of diversity there, right? So again, that's what really what freestyle is about. And so there was certain compulsory maneuvers that we were supposed to do as far as um, walk, trot, canter, back up, that kind of thing. But really, you have a lot of liberty, pardon the pun, but you have a lot of liberty to, you know, be creative with what you want to do. For me, like with Rio, I did, I started my routine bareback and bridalist with him. And then partway through, I jumped off and then we did some liberty work on the ground as well. Now, Chloe, she is obviously, she's only two years old. And so she's a lot less experienced. She's doing really well. So I was not riding her yet at the time. So hers was all on the ground. Um, but there was, you know, a very broad range of, you know, dressage horse. I have, obviously, I do reining. And so, yeah, that's a little bit what the freestyle consisted of. I can't, you know, I could go into, spend a lot of time, if, you know, go into a lot of detail, but that's just kind of in a nutshell what we did with that. That's awesome. So back at home, you're currently um, located in Ohio. What does a normal day look like for you? Like we talked about, I do a lot of traveling, but when I am able to be back home with my horses, I try to spend as much time as possible working with with my own horses. I do a lot, you know, with them in my business with a lot of performances and that kind of thing. So I need to devote a lot of time to developing them. And then I also spend a lot of time filming for my online education platform where I have training videos, step-by-step instruction with that. Cool. So that makes up a lot of my time filming, editing, posting content for that. I do a lot of lessons. Um, I travel quite a bit for lessons more locally as well. I do virtual lessons for members of my um, online platform as well as non-members. But that is a great option for people that are, aren't able to do in-person lessons or clinics if they're farther away. Yeah. And I um, spend a lot of time interacting with uh, my social media platforms. I try to um, stay connected with people on there. So yeah, not a lot of, not a lot of downtime. I stay pretty Yeah. Busy. Yeah. That's amazing. I was uh, looking at your online programs um, from your website and from your social media. And I feel like you are a, for one kind of within the niche of your equestrian industry. I feel like you're a little bit ahead of your time because I feel like even in maybe the, the bigger discipline, maybe there is a little bit less as far as online presence and online uh, training. What did you kind of see in the industry that there was like a gap or a need to kind of start this online program to provide for um, different clients and customers? Absolutely. Well, I mean, as we know, everything is going online, right? And and I would... You know, when I was younger, I would go buy a DVD and maybe watch it a couple times, maybe. And then it sits on the shelf and I might not touch it again for how long. Right. And so with this, it is a monthly membership. So you can sign up for a month. You can watch whatever content you're looking for. And, you know, your life might get busy. You have things come up. You might not have time to be um, 
as active with that. You can, you know, cancel your subscription. You can rejoin again later. And so it has a lot more flexibility and obviously a lot more affordable, right, than buying a whole DVD set. And then obviously for people that are a lot farther away, I mean, I have clients, you know, there's people all over the country and I travel a lot, but there's still places that obviously I can't get to everywhere. And then even if I do, let's say I go somewhere for a clinic, I can only teach so much in a couple of days, right? And so it's a great follow-up resource for people that want to go back and revisit subjects that we worked on at the clinic and then also have steps to keep improving and uh, progressing from where we built on when I was there with them. And so it has really, really been um, helpful with that. And like I said, it is, you know, that's a lot more of my step-by-step instruction, more of the details up close and, and, and live as I'm working on it. And then we do, we do live Q and A's with that. So if you have questions, you can either comment on videos or we do sessions where you can submit questions about either what you saw in the video or just general topics and really want to have it, you know, an interactive personal thing for people. And then also they get um, discounts on virtual lessons. So if you're watching the videos, then you want a little bit more one-on-one help you. That's also a great option for them as well. Along those topics, it is my, the, the program is called whatever it takes that the name came from last year when I was getting ready to show at Congress with Rio in the freestyle we, my friend showed me this song, whatever it takes by Imagine Dragons that had just come out recently. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that totally, I, I love the lyrics. I felt like it really, um, fit, fit us and, and where I came from with Rio. And so that is, and I, that's, that's one of the reasons I love showing in freestyle is I put a lot of thought into the music and mm-hmm. what, you know, what message I'm trying to portray, how it goes with my horse, what we're doing. That's where that all kind of originated. And it has kind of turned into a bit of a theme song for us since then at performances and expos that we've been doing. And so it just kind of seemed fitting. Um, obviously, you know, I think if you want to whatever you're doing, but especially, you know, obviously I'm focusing on the Liberty work that takes uh, an incredible amount of time and work and dedication to really be successful at it. And so I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get there. And so I, for people that have that same goal, I, it just seemed fitting to call my program that. So that's kind of a little bit of background on that as well. That's awesome. That's really cool. Oh, hey, it's me, Bethany, again. I wanted to interrupt really quick to let you in on something that we are doing right now that I am so excited about. If you are involved in the equestrian influencer space or have your own small business, this is for you. My friend Leah from Dapple Bay Co. and I are hosting a in-person workshop in South Florida during week seven of WEF, which is February 21st through the 23rd. This is going to be an intense workshop with about 12 other equestrian entrepreneurs for you to really network and to narrow in on your goals for your business. So would love for you to sign up. Finding a community makes everything better and is something Leah and I experience working together firsthand. We want this first one to be a small, tight-knit group, so spaces are limited. To apply for the workshop, head over to myequestrianstyle.com slash workshop for more information and your application form. 
So how did you go from doing your own riding, doing your own competing to kind of transitioning into being your own training, taking on clients and then being a clinician? What was that process like? It was definitely an adjustment. So I had always dreamed of doing something in the horse industry, whether that's training or something else. But, you know, when I was starting out, I was just doing this Liberty work because I loved it. I mean, I was just having a ton of fun doing it. I love what it did for my horse and for our relationship. And so I was doing a lot of that. I was active on social media. I just enjoyed sharing what we did. And people really, you know, were, they love following what we were doing. And I just Mm -hmm. kept getting a lot of requests for, you know, demos, lessons, clinics, and that kind of thing. And so I went ahead and started scheduling some, you know, smaller demos showing, showing what we were doing, uh, lessons, some group lessons. And then it really just kind of took off from there. We did more one and two day clinics, the full clinic setting, branching out from there. But it really, really just kind of took off from what I initially was just doing because I, I was having fun and loved it. Yeah. And yeah. I think it resonated with a lot of people. And it's, yeah, it's been a ton of fun to now be able to share not only what I'm doing with my own horses, but share that with other people and see them be successful with their own. That, that's been that's been a lot of fun. That's amazing. It's always great when you can find something to do full time for the big chunk of your life. And it's also something that you love to do. I know a lot of people don't get to do that. So that's pretty amazing that you are able to combine the two. Absolutely. I'm very blessed. Very yeah. blessed. So cool. Um, so let's get into the horses a little bit because I feel like, and maybe this is just me not knowing a lot about it, but are there good and bad candidates as far as horses go for really kind of taking on this uh, Liberty type training? That's a great question as well. So first of all, just FYI, Rio, again, he's the first one that I had done it with. Very successful people love what he can do in our performances, but he was not a specially selected candidate. Okay. My uncle had bred him actually and asked me to gentle him and do some work with him before he sold him as a two-year-old. And I had spent a lot of time with him. And when the time came, I was like, I don't think I can let this guy go. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up buying him myself. He had He had some reigning breeding, but obviously I wasn't even doing liberty work at the time. So he ended up being uh, really successful with it. But I do think that there are a lot more horses that can be successful with this than people realize. I think sometimes people think you have to have a very particular, you know, special kind of horse. Mm-hmm. Now, a few things that do help um, if they if they are naturally more engaged and they have what we call a high play drive, that helps, right? Because you can channel that more. However, mm-hmm. I do find that when some nice people might tell me their horses aren't that engaged or they're not really interested, but in some cases that horse may just be a bit shut down or they just honestly don't understand what we're trying to do with them. Right. Because it takes, takes a lot of um, refinement and communication to be able to do this without having ropes or what have you on them. And so once you start helping them understand more what we're doing. I find that a lot of horses do get more engaged and a lot more uh, excited and and have a lot more fun with it. One yeah. thing that can, can affect it, um, what I do is very different from a lot of traditional, especially groundwork. And so if you have an older horse that has had a lot more training, 
it can be a bit more work involved or time consuming to help them learn kind of a new way of doing things. Right. Um, sure. However, it is definitely possible. Um, Rio's mom, actually, my friend owns her now and she got her when she was right around, I think 19 or 20 years old. And hmm. she has done a lot of work with her and they're doing a lot of Liberty work very successfully now. So for anybody that's got an older horse that may be thinking they are not eligible, do not count that out, right? It is definitely, um, if you're willing to put the work into it, it is definitely possible. That's so cool. Um, so let's say, I mean, I will be the first one to tell you that as a hunter trainer, that there are definitely hunter horses out there that tend to be like, they're just like machines. Like, just like, <laughs> I do my job. I know my job. Jump the course. I'm good to go. If you had a horse like that, like what you were kind of alluding to previously about um, a horse that, you know, is just kind of in the zone, isn't super, you know, engaged. What what do you do with that? Like, how do you kind of deprogram that mentality? That's, I could go into a lot of detail on that. <laughs> but, you know, a lot of the basics that I'm doing on the ground, simply, you know, teaching them how, how you know, I can call them to me from a distance. Um, I, that's one thing as far as incorporating that into other aspects. I mean, who doesn't want to be able to go out to the pasture and, to go catch their horse and open your arms and your horse comes running. As you do some of that, like I was talking about helping them understand more of that communication and simply, and, and letting them become a little bit more engaged. For example, like I have what I call the cutting game with my horses, where instead of cutting a cow back and forth, I am essentially the cow and they're mm-hmm. cutting back and forth with, with me. Right. So that's, a, that's a little more of a, higher um, play drive game, right? It can really get them engaged. And so it's, it's a, it's a pretty broad reaching topic, right? But once you, once you get a lot of that rapport established on the ground, I have people tell me all the time how it transfers over to the saddle, both from a technical standpoint, as far as how the horse is using its body, but then also just from an understanding and a connection standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and just simple things like, for example, you're going to mount up and go for a ride. I mean, I see people, um, you know, go to use the mounting block and they go and get on the get on the mounting block and the horse maybe starts dancing away or sidestepping mm-hmm. and they can't get on. You have to go move the mounting block back to the horse again. Right. And then maybe right. the horse. So part of my program is I teach my horses to side pass towards me. Um, I mean, we can do that a lot. You know, we do have to walk the trot, the canter, but it's a very basic side pass towards me. I can go up on a mounting block, put my hand up, and my horse comes right over there to me and picks me up, right? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's very useful, right? But the other thing is it just starts helping them use their mind and engage more, right? We're not physically um, making them do everything, right? We're letting them think through it and offer these behaviors, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I find... I find that that can really help. And like another example of this is with Chloe, she is my two-year-old quarter horse that I got at the beginning of this year. And so I wanted to get a really solid foundation of Liberty work with her in the beginning. And we had quite a few shows and events this year. And so I really didn't have a lot of time to focus on starting her under saddle, which I wanted to wait a little bit later anyway. But then this fall, I went to start riding her and I actually had the crazy idea that I wanted to try to start her completely at Liberty from the beginning. So 
no halter, um, no rope, no bridle, no reins or any of that. And wow. so, okay, we did have a, a thin little neck rope, but that's <laughs> it. But the really cool thing was everything transferred directly over from the Liberty work seamlessly, right? So all the verbal cues I had, and, and, and with my Liberty work, I really try to focus on, yes, I want it to be fun. I want it to be, you know, kind of a game, but I also want, want to help my horses use themselves correctly, learn to collect, um, get a lot of body control. And so with Chloe, I had worked on that balance, helping her be more aware of what her body was doing and gaining that muscle memory. And so when I got on and started riding her, she was offering a lot of that stuff on her own, just because that's what we had been working on. And that's what I had been rewarding. Mm. And again, we can, I can touch on that maybe later a little bit more, but that even if you're obviously not starting a horse, but working on that stuff on the ground, maybe if you're struggling with something under saddle mm-hmm. and then going back to the saddle can really um, be helpful with that as well. When that transfers over. That's so cool. Um, you were just mentioning that you are uh, like rewarding certain behaviors. Are you like uh, during your sessions, you, are you like giving them treats or how are you showing that um, like kind of positive reinforcement? Yes, that is an awesome question. That's a big question as I get is, do I use treats, right? Um, and so, and, and, I, and I, that's, a, that's a topic I'm really passionate about is um, I do use treats is the short answer, but I'm very particular about how I use treats. So uh, are you, have you heard of clicker training or positive reinforcement? Probably, I'm guessing you have. Yes, but with dogs. <laughs> with dogs. Yeah, much more common with dogs. Not as much. Not nearly as much with horses, but it is becoming a lot more common. Cool. And so I incorporate a lot of that, especially as we get start advancing in the pro- in my program. I incorporate a lot more of the clicker training. And so what that does, it opens up a whole other level of motivation and clarity for my horses. Because what that does is I can, with the negative reinforcement, we're applying pressure when they give us the answer, we release and they get the reward. It's very effective because it's an instant reward, right? And there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with it. It's just called negative reinforcement because we're taking something out of the equation and that's what's reinforcing the behavior. But with this clicker training, we are now adding something in, which in this case is typically a food reward, at least in the beginning. Um, and so there is like an extra level of motivation there, right? Especially yeah. as I get to more of the higher level things. Let's say I'm doing flying lead changes in a straight line down the arena in a performance. That's pretty difficult, right? Mm-hmm. And my horse is at liberty, so they don't have to do it. They can leave, right? Yeah. And yeah. so um, incorporating that clicker training can really add that extra level of motivation. I'm very, and I can't get into too much detail here, but I'm, I'm very specific about how I give the treats, where mm-hmm. I give them. And then I teach my horses the only um, time to get the treat is by being respectful and not mugging me for the treat. Because that's a big concern <laughs> Yeah, is that treats make your horse muggy. If you do it wrong, it can't. If you do it right, it can make them much more respectful around food. So check out my, um, I have a lot of video. I have videos on this subject that covers it in a lot more detail or check oh, out. Perfect. I guess what I'm saying is if you want to try it out, make sure you are educated on how to use it before you just go out and start giving your horse treats while you're totally. training. Yep. Um, but yes, I do. I use a, um, a lot of that as well when I'm, when I'm training. So that's a great question. Awesome. Yeah. Love that. 
Um, so with uh, your role right now as a trainer and clinician and rider, what are some of your long-term goals within the sport? Yeah, so one of my one of my uh, more long-term goals that I've just started working on the beginning of is doing more team liberty work. So to where I have multiple horses together. So like right now I'm working on teaming Rio and Chloe up together, both hmm. if we're on the ground and working with both of them. If you think Liberty's hard with one horse, try it with. Yeah. Multiple. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> you're communicating with them. They're communicating with each other. Um, yeah. And so I've just started um, doing more of that. It's been a ton of fun. They're doing really well. And then also um, when I can be riding one of them and have another one at Liberty on the ground with us. Another, another big goal for me is I, I really am, am trying to work to, I feel like sometimes there's kind of two ends of the spectrum in the industry. So you have very high level performance people and horses on one end, and mm-hmm. then, you know, natural horsemanship and, and really valuing the relationship and the connection with your horse, right? On the other hand, and I th- and sometimes I feel like people think maybe you can't reconcile the two. You have to have one or the other. Sure. And I want to show that you can achieve very high level results and quality without sacrificing the relationship with your horse, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I I do the reining as well, so that's one of the reasons I like doing the freestyle reining is we can do our freestyle we can do reining maneuvers i can jump off i can do liberty work and show how it can all it can all come together it can benefit each other right that's something that i'm that i'm pretty passionate about is helping 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 kind of those two ends of the spectrum come together a little bit more i think they can both benefit from each other and then for me personally i'm i'm always trying to um you know look for ways that i can um challenge myself and just keep learning to new ways to improve what I do with my horses. And I mean, it's a relatively new discipline really. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, looking for new ways to any, any way I can improve what I do or change what I do and make it more, more effective, more beneficial for the horse and more attainable and easy for other people to learn really. So those, those would be yeah a few of my big goals right now. Love it. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to enlighten all of us on this area of the industry that I feel like not many people know about. Really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to kind of walk us through that. I really appreciate you having me. I enjoyed it. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.